So we're back in the book of James this morning. The book of James is um, probably one of, if not, my favorite book of the New Testament. Um, as a result of that, it was a very formative book on, on, on me uh, during my early Christian life. And the passages we're reading today had uh, very early implications um, for how I live my life. Uh, many of you know I became a Christian in high school, somewhere around grade 10 or 11. By about um, the end of grade 11 or the beginning of grade 12 is when I started to kind of feel um, God pulling me into the world of vocational ministry, perhaps of being a pastor. Um, it's around that time that I read James chapter 3 for the first time. Um, and as a result of that, well, well, we'll just pray and I'll finish the story for you. Um, so let's, let's pray. Father God, thank you for bringing us here together this morning to worship you, uh, to learn from your word, and to gain wisdom and knowledge of who you are. I pray that you be with us this morning as we get into this uh, very important piece of scripture, at least in my life, uh, and my prayer is that it would become important to more of us as we seek to uh, expand your kingdom and live out your mission in this world. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. So James 3. Chapter 1, or sorry, verse 1, going all the way to verse 12 this morning. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers. For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses that they will obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are large and are driven by very strong winds and are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs, so also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, straining the whole body, setting, setting on fire the entire course of life and being set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, this ought, these things ought not be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree... My brothers, bear olives or a grapevine, produce figs. Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. So here's a story. I'm a, I'm a young Christian. I'm in high school, answering the questions that everyone's supposed to answer in grade 10, right? What do you want to do with your life? What are you going to be when you grow up? What are you going to do when you leave this place? It's the most important single question to answer in high school. At least that's what they tell you. And I thought... Well, okay, maybe, maybe ministry, maybe being a pastor, maybe that's something that I could do, something that God's asking me to do. And then I read verse three, or chapter 3, verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. I was new to my faith, I was young in my faith, and I had yet to really fully grasp what grace was. So I read the verse and I thought, I don't want to be judged with greater strictness. I don't, I, don't, I don't want to put that on myself. So I, so I put away the, the, the thought or the idea of being a pastor, told God, no, I don't want to do it. It's not going to happen, so don't even bother asking me. Look where that got me. 
Okay, so not many of you should become teachers, James says. That word in there, teachers, that's, that's not the same word for pastor, not the same word for elder. Okay, so the, this word is something specifically addressing both genders, right? Women can be teachers, we're complementarians, we're not chauvinists, right? So Paul's letter to Titus tells us that women, in particular older women, are to teach the younger women how to run their households, love their husbands, be wise, strong women of God. Likewise, older men are to do the same thing for younger men. So this idea that those of us who are called to teach in one way or another, whether that's um, in a university or a Bible college or pastoral ministry or just some other form of discipleship, teaching, ministry, Sunday class, or just being that older model to a younger man or a younger woman. This idea that, that, that teaching here um, those of us who, call, who are called to that ministry of teaching should be aware that there's some kind of further strictness that's applied to us at judgment. Right? Now that judgment is not, that's not the judgment as to whether or not we're in the kingdom. Right? We're there. The result of that is not going to decide whether or not we end up in heaven or not. That's not what we're talking about. This is the judgment here that we see in 1 Corinthians 3. Right? That's the, this is the weird one where our lives as Christians are stacked up and judged, and what's good remains and what wasn't so good gets burnt away. Right? This is, the, this is the, the judgment where we're given our reward after our lives on earth are over. So those of us who hear the call to, 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 to teaching, to leadership, um, James says, will be judged more strictly in that judgment. In my, in my youth, that verse really scared me. It scared me away from ministry for a long, long time. What you're going to see James do in this passage a couple of times is go from the specific to the general. He starts small and he goes big. So here, verse 1, he's talking specifically about teachers. Those of you who are called to the ministry of teaching. And it continues a little bit into verse 2. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says or teaches he is a perfect man able to bridle his whole body so here james is talking specifically to teachers but you know who else has a tongue just about everyone right james is saying we all stumble we all make mistakes in many ways even those of us who teach even though we will be judged more so even though we will be judged more strictly it's not a good enough reason not to teach if that's what god has called you to do so eventually in my own life i i relented i gave in and, uh, and I am now where I am now. I wouldn't want to be doing anything else. But James then goes from the specific to the general, right? If someone does not stumble in what he says, teacher or not, someone doesn't stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man or woman able to bridle his whole body. Now, he's saying perfect. He's not talking about sinlessness. He's not talking about like moral perfection. He's talking about Christian maturity. Right? You're, you're a fully formed, mature Christian. Not sinless. We'll never be sinless until we get our glorified bodies. But we're talking about Christian maturity here. Someone who can keep their body in check. Then James talks about the, the things that keep large things in check. Verse 3. If we put bits into the mouths of horses, they obey us and we guide their bodies as well. Now, how, how heavy is a horse? A couple thousand pounds, right? And yet... When we sit on them and we ride them, we can control them with a piece of metal and some leather that weighs, what, five pounds, ten pounds? You stick it in their mouth and you tell them where to go. How much does a bit weigh? You know, just this little thing and we can control an animal that's ten times, fifteen times as heavy as we are. 
Verse 4, look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. A couple of modern day examples for you. Um, Have you ever been on an airplane? Right? Giant metal tube flying through the air at close to the speed of sound. Big, huge wings, right? You ever seen how big the flaps are that turn an airplane? Like compared to the size of the wings, they're just tiny little things. What about a car, right? Another thing that we, that we sit in that weighs a few thousand pounds. I mean, my, my car's a little, but it's still it's a couple thousand pounds. I can turn that, that, that thing with just two fingers. I grab the steering wheel and just two, two fingers. I can tell that car where, where to go with pretty good accuracy. Right. Power steering is a wonderful invention. Two fingers can tell a, a 10,000-pound car where to go. I got a little car. It works with car, bigger cars, pickup trucks, transport trucks. You can turn these things with your wrist on a dime because of a little bit of technology and a little bit of power steering fluid. You can make these massive things go where you want them to go. Verse 5, so also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. You can do a lot with your tongue. People say that the tongue is the strongest muscle in the human body. It's, that's not exactly correct. The tongue is actually not one muscle. It's eight different muscles that are combined together. It's, but it is one of, the, one of the muscle systems that has the most endurance in the body. Right? Has your tongue ever been tired? Maybe your jaw has, maybe, maybe your mouth has, but has your, has your tongue ever just stopped working and you try to talk and you can't because it's not working? Has that ever happened? That, your, your tongue doesn't get tired. You fall asleep way before your tongue gets tired. Right? Like, like when you work with your arms, you're doing a lot of work with your arms, you're lifting all day long, you get home, your arms are tired and sore and they don't want to work anymore. Your tongue, tongue doesn't work like that. The tongue can go for hours and hours and hours. It's relentless. You can speak as long as you're awake. Verse 5 still. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire in a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, straining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life. You want to know how to start a fire with a tongue? (laughs) You want to know um, another one of those little tiny things that can move mountains like the internet is a huge thing right it's it's all encompassing for our lives now i mean if if you've ever used a a bank card or a debit card or you know just just anything it's it's absolutely intrinsic to what our lives are you even if you don't have that at home you can't go through a day in this country without interacting with the internet in some way shape or form so it's got an impact on, on how we live. Now, whether you use it personally or not, okay, here's how our tongues can set fire on the internet, right? Because the internet can be turned with our tongues, right? We don't use our actual, the muscle group, but I mean, James is talking about our words, right? So words come out of our brains, not our tongues, and they come with, in terms of the internet, they come through our fingers on our keyboards, so the keyboard is another really little thing that can turn a huge thing. Can, can, it, can, it can change minds. It can influence people. It can make people do things that are good. It can make people do things that are horrible. Keyboard is like a modern day writer. right? Powerful but tiny. 
So you want to know how to, how to start a fire with your tongue? Try this. Those of you who have Facebook, go home after the service, get on your computer or your phone or whatever device you're using, um, and post your opinion on, I don't know, let's say vaccinations. Right? Just as an example. Go on Facebook, go online, tell the world whether or not you think children ought to be vaccinated or, or forced to be vaccinated or allowed to be in school if they're vaccinated or not. Right? If you think it's, a, it's big pharmaceutical companies trying to do more harm than good, whatever your opinion is, wherever you fall on that argument, one side or the other, just go online uh, and start that discussion on your Facebook and see what kind of a fire <laughs> pops up. In the early days of the internet, there was a word for that kind of thing. It's, we don't really say it anymore. It's called a flame war. Right? And what a flame war was is when someone says something and someone else comes along and di- disagrees and because of the anonymity of the internet just has the boldness to yell and scream and pitch a fit, usually all in caps. Right? But those kinds of posts, those kinds of conversation, while they're not typically fruitful in any way, they can escalate way out of control. They rob you of your time. They rob you of your life in a lot of instances. So actually don't go home and do that. Unless you don't believe me, then do it and then come and tell me I was right. Uh, the tongue is a mighty thing. Our words, our communications are mighty, mighty things. James says that there's, there's two things we can do with them. Verse 7, this is where he's getting into more specific again. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing, my brothers. These things ought not be so. Um, so just to give you an idea, this is a picture of, uh, of our wedding. Cody and my wedding um, at our reception. We, we had a reception. It's a long story. It was at a place where there's also a magician who has a tiger show. So we had a chance to get in and meet the tiger. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this. Even though you can't see it in the picture, really, from where you are, I can barely see it from here, there's a, there's a big piece of plywood separating us and that tiger in the middle of that cage. Uh, and even though it's there, and even though I knew it was there, and for the record, they told me to sit on the far side. Okay, I wasn't being a chicken. They told me to sit on the other side of my wife, um, my, my brand new wife. Even though that that piece of plywood was there, seeing that great big paw reach out and just grab a piece of raw meat that they stuck in front of it was just, and just to keep it calm. Like, that's all it is. Like, it wasn't particularly hungry, but they wanted to keep it calm. So they would give it uh, this big bucket of meat he had on his his hip. He would just kind of taunt it. He'd grab it and just eat it. Like, that was scary. Like, I'm smiling, but that was scary. <laughs> like, that was a scary moment, right? This is no kitty cat. It's a massive animal, and yet we've, we've, we've tamed them. All you need is a bucket of fresh meat and a, piece of and a piece of plywood and some training, right? Not with 100% success, right? Even some of the best animal trainers will occasionally be attacked, but, I mean, we've, we've tamed them. You can take that down. <laughs> we've, we've tamed tigers we've tamed lions we've tamed orcas killer whales I mean, we can we can control animals whether we need a little bit in their mouth to do it or some other kind of tool humans have learned to control 
apex predators. Good for us. Why can't we control our own tongues then? James is saying, watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. Watch what you say. How can you, how can you claim to love God when you don't love God's people? This goes to what I was talking about last week a little bit. How do you claim to love God when you don't even speak with love to the people that bear his image? Verse 11. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives? Or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. We are, as humans, a race of communicators. I read an article recently that said that um, it's the one thing that sets us apart from the animals, is that we are communicate we we communicate we have language it expresses not only danger danger and survival like a lot of animals will do but i mean we have this type of language where we we communicate thoughts we communicate feelings we communicate emotions in a way that no animal can right poetry and music and and math and and all these things are what separate us our tongues are relentless muscles who are only stopped by sleep. James is telling us that you know, watch what we say. Watch what you say because what we say can be a force for good or it can be a force for evil. It can be refreshing water or it can be salt water, useless for life. You can't live on salt water. James isn't saying here that you're not going to have both kinds of speech coming out of your mouth at some time or another. We all stumble, right? That's what he said. That there won't be some times where we have good, edifying, God-honoring speech come out of our mouth, and there won't be times where we have, well, stumbling. <laughs> what James is asking here is, what kind of person are you? Are you the kind of person that loves and serves others? Loves and serves God's people, especially those that don't know him yet, don't worship him yet? Or are you the kind of person that just talks smack about others? Great litmus test for this, by the way, is how do you interact with those with whom you disagree? Right? How do you interact with those with whom you are angry with? You want to see what kind of heart a person has? Right? What, what kind of person someone is deep down inside? I'll give you two examples. They, they can help you make up your mind pretty quick. Um, first, go driving with them on, during rush hour on the 417 coming out of Ottawa. <laughs> Right? You learn pretty quick what kind of person someone is if you're in the passenger seat when they're on that highway before they hit Canada. Number two, how do they react to bad service? Right? Bad customer service in a restaurant. You know? Better yet, rather than looking at other people, look at yourself. How do you react in traffic when someone cuts you off? Did they do it on purpose or did they just make a mistake and not see you? How do you react when someone messes up your order or makes a mistake behind the register or makes some kind of clerical error that sets you back a couple of hours or a couple of days? Right? What does your tongue do in situations like that? Does it get away from you? Does it say things that it just it should not say that maybe you're thinking but you don't want to say because you know it's not, you know, godly and, and worshipful? 
I say this often. We are always witnessing. We are always evangelizing. We are always telling the world around us who we are in Christ, who we are as Christians. That's especially true in a small town like this one. Because everyone knows who we are. Right? Everyone, we all, we all grew up together. You know, you, you've known each other all your, all your lives. Everyone knows who you are, knows where you go to church. Everyone knows if you're a believer or not. So every little slip up, every little mistake, will be judged more strictly by those who don't know the gospel. Our lives are, if our lives are marked by that, if we don't worship the Lord because we are ultimately then no different than anyone else. Right? If, if we're speaking like them, they're going to think we're just like them and we're not giving them any evidence to dispute that. If we don't speak with grace, if we don't season our words with salt, we're just like everyone else, so why would they bother being one of us when they can just keep being themselves? Once you hear what I'm saying here, I'm not saying it's always a sin to swear, right? I'm not saying, um, I'm not going to give you a list of 8 or 10 or 12 words you should never use under any circumstance. That, that's, that, that's legalism. I'm saying that what you say, regardless of the words you use, what you say needs to build people up and not tear them down. Even when they're in the wrong and when you're in the right. I worked retail for most of my young life, one form or another. And I can tell you, you see all kinds of people in retail. And for me as a Christian, it was, it was most disconcerting to come across people that I knew were believers. Like people I, I went to church with, people I knew from, from small group or Bible study or Bible college. And I know they were a Christian and I'm working behind the counter and I see them react poorly. Just because they thought they were wronged. And, and speak like children when they thought they were wronged. Truth is, we represent someone all the time. Right? In this church, outside this church, in our homes, outside of our homes, in our workplace, outside of our workplace. We represent someone. As Christians, we represent Christ. That perfect example of selfless humanity of putting others before himself, of putting others' needs in front of our own needs, of putting our forgiveness ahead of his own righteousness. We represent him to the world around us. James is saying that our speech is probably the primary way that we represent him. It's not just when we talk about him, but it's anytime we use our tongues. Anytime we open our mouths, we're representing Christ in and to the world. Taming the tongue is not a moral issue. It's not, it's not about the words you use or don't use. It's not about cussing. It's not about swearing. It's, 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 it's all about painting a picture. It's all about showing the world who Christ is through what we say, what he's done, what he's meant for, for you, what he's meant for me, what he's meant for us. Our tongues are the things we use on Sunday mornings to praise God in song, in prayer, in speech. James is asking us to make sure we carry that idea into the world around us, into the week around us. Do we praise God in our speech during the week, in our conversations with others, in how we talk? Not necessarily just the words we say, but in how 
we talk. How we have conversations with others who don't know him. Or do we talk like everyone else and sound like everyone else? There's a word for that in the Bible. It's called hypocrisy. Christians are called to be heralds of grace, heralds of truth, heralds of life and living water, fresh water. James says it all starts right here. It all starts with your tongue, with what you say and how you say it. Let's pray.